Welcome to the Air Combat Simulation Podcast, brought to you by BVR Productions. Together with content creators, mission builders, experts, and enthusiasts, we explore the comprehensive world of combat aircraft simulation. Welcome to episode 23 of the Air Combat Sim Podcast, where there's only three of us going to talk about the upcoming Apache, but, uh, well, we we have Kasma with us, who is, or have, or is flying those in real life, so he is the expert when it comes to that module. Uh, and we have Goat and me, I'm Baltic Dragon, so hi guys. Hello. Hey. Uh, how are you doing? Tricker, Tricker says he's uh, he's sorry he can't make it. He's in Cancun, and I I told him he's being very selfish. Yeah, he's mm. being very selfish. He's <laughs> <laughs> joining us from there, wherever it is. No. Where's Cancun? Uh, in Mexico. Ah, all right. It's like a it's a, it's a nice vacation spot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so with Tricker on vacation, so <laughs> or well, he's working. For work. Yeah, he's working. Yeah, That's he's what's working. even worse is he's there for work. Yeah, some people. And, oh. and Jabbers is—he's uh, got some sick family members that he's tending to, so he's not going to mm. be with us today. No, but it's important that Casper is with us because you're going to be the one talking he, most. He has some tonight. familiarity with the Apache, right? Yeah, I'm I not sure. Really you know something. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know if I expert level, but but I know enough. I guess <laughs> enough to be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just joking that we're two weeks away from release, but we'll see when we release this episode if it's going to be out or not already. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, let's talk. I know, Casmo, you did quite a few videos when you responded to the videos done by WAGS um, on what we can expect on how things work in the Apache. So um, what's your... Or maybe first of all, I think everyone knows you, but if they don't, if you could tell a few words about your experience with Apache and then tell us about your experience with Apache in DCS so far. Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, I flew Apaches in the Army for a couple years. Uh, most of my time flying Kiowa's OH-58s, but I, I did transition to the Apache once the uh, the Kiowa was uh, removed from service. So I uh, say like I don't know, four or five hundred hours did a, a short deployment in the Apache. I flew mostly Echo models. I did the the Delta model, which is what uh, ED is is modeling. I flew that. Uh, maybe maybe a hundred hours. I think most uh, most of my training uh, at Fort Rucker, just getting uh, qualified in the Apache, was in that one, and then a little bit at my first unit, and then uh, and then we got Echoes, so transitioned to that and spent most of the time in there. So a little bit familiar. The Apache kind of goes through a lot of um, upgrades, a ton of upgrades, honestly, just constant uh, software changes and this button now does this type of type of stuff. So. Um, it's, it's a little intimidating for me cause I know a lot of people kind of watch my videos and they're like, Oh, he's, he's going to be able to square me away on the Apache. It's like, man, I, I don't remember a lot of this stuff. So I'm kind of going <laughs> through the manual myself, um, and, and trying to, trying to remind myself how certain things work. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of, there's just enough differences in some ways that it can be very confusing. So, but, um, but yeah, it's a great machine. It's 
totally awesome that uh that ed's doing it um especially given how they're basically having to do it from a manual you know just like read read a manual and try to replicate what's in the manual because those manuals are not they're not i don't want to say they're hard to read but it's hard to just you don't you don't just go to school and they hand you the manual you know and be like here read this and then we're gonna go fly like you know there's a lot of classes and sort of nuance explaining what's going on behind the scenes manuals don't really do that you know they just say this button does this okay well why you know and what what happens because of that is is what's kind of missing so it's it's tough yeah i imagine that the fidelity that they're that they're driving for manuals i mean so but there are they working or do we know uh, if they're working with other Apache uh, pilots uh, in terms of, you know, deriving flight model characteristics and some of the other pieces. So, all right, I will say this. Yes, they are. And I am on that team. Um, <laughs> I mean that. So I, I've shied away I, I, from saying that for months um, because I didn't want a lot of craziness to come with that. Um, or a lot of assumptions, but I've been with the team since I want to say like June. Um, they have a several guys much smarter than me, guys who are still flying them or have a ton more time, um, who, who are absolutely helping kind of, kind of read through the nuance and say, okay, this is what really is happening. Cause a lot of times too, um, there were differences in what the manual says to what, uh, is happening in real life. So I'm trying to think of, for instance, like the gun, um, you know, the book says the gun shoots at a certain rate of fire, but in actuality at the unit level, they would sort of dial that back a little bit, um, to, for, for like barrel life and, you know, life of equipment within the gun itself. And so the rate of fire, you know, when they plug it in at, I think it's 625 plus or minus 25 rounds per minute, you know, we're all watching it and we're like, that's too fast. You know, that just doesn't seem right. Uh, and then, so then it's this kind of challenge between, well, the book says this, but in actuality it's, it's really this, but we don't have any proof of that. It's just, you know, it's tribal lore. Um, so things like that are happening, but yeah, they've got some really smart dudes working on it. I'm, I'm there for eye candy. It's kind of what I I told Wags. Um, (laughs) but, but, but there's more to it than just making the Apache, right? Because there's culture and, the tactics and the, the the terminology there's a lot of different things that come with this that is unique or certainly just different than what it already kind of exists in the you know the dcs community because obviously mm-hmm. a lot of it is circle you know circles around jets and and all that crap and then you've got you know we've got this smattering of helicopters but they're they're sort of disjointed you know they're not they're not linked you know i mean you got the mi8 and the, the hind and they're probably the, the closest of a of a, a subculture community within the helicopter world k50 just kind of out there in its space you know the gazelle um so there's a whole new vernacular that's coming with it and, and i think that i add a little bit to that because that, that was kind of my you know tactics and, and operations were, were really where i did a lot of stuff in the military so it's easier for me to kind of explain when they're trying to make like the the scenarios that are going to come with the campaign it's like okay this is this is the kind of words you would use and this is the kind of situation that, that you would find yourself in with this so um, but yeah, they do certainly have some, some smart dudes helping read between the lines and, and figure out what all that stuff means. And, and the flight model is definitely one of them. Cause that's one of those things, obviously a manual's not going to tell you how the, how it feels. Um, right. and so they've, they've, they've got those guys working on that. So, well, you know, and I know there are a number of folks who are, you know, chopping at the bit for this to come out 
And, and I think that, uh, you know, Eagle Dynamics is doing a great job, certainly teasing us with a lot of the videos and certainly appreciate your comments. But, you know, a friend of mine recently said something effective. He goes, people don't really understand how different flying helicopters is in DCS rather than, you know, just flying uh, the pointy nose yeah. aircraft. Yeah, it's it's it is different. Um, and that's something that I've been preaching since I started my channel is, uh, you know, it's a very different feel and and feeling is very much a part of flying helicopters. I think more so than flying fixed wing. You know, I'm flying like we were just talking about before we started. You know, I'm flying a Cessna every day for the past two months. Um, mm. I don't feel as much of what the aircraft is doing as I do in a helicopter. Um it's just kind of part and parcel of, of being a helicopter pilot. So it's hard to replicate that. And um, there are some certain things, you know, in DCS, I really like the K-50 and I like the Hind because they feel weighty. You know, they, they have some momentum to them. You know, I've I've routinely kind of criticized the Huey and say that I just, it just feels very light to me. Um, so those are those are things that that I look for when I'm kind of playing with the FM is like, you know, does it does this feel as close as you can to flying a helicopter without having your, your butt thrown all around underneath you. So how is it, you know, what are you using for your controls at this point? Do you have uh, collective and cyclic or how do you have, are you just using um, reorienting what, you know, the existing tools or for the most part? Yeah, I have, um, I have a VKB gunfighter with the, uh, mm -hmm. I think it's 20 centimeter extension. And then I just built like this base out of scrap wood so that it's elevated up. So it's basically like a cyclic. Um, I've got VKB pedals and then I've got an old ass uh, Thrustmaster T16 million throttle. Um, I do have a collective that um, I would love to talk more about, but I, I can't because the guy, so basically a guy is working on a collective and he made a prototype and sent it to me to test it, you know, um, and I think he was having trouble getting parts. So I just haven't like showcased it at all. Like I told him, Hey, you know, I'll do a video on it once you're ready. So I'm just kind of waiting on him. But so I do have a collective, but right now uh, I'm kind of away from home. So I'm just using this throttle and I actually just ordered a mongoose, uh, throttle from verbal should be here next week, I think. But, um, yeah, so That's I, you know, I don't, I don't believe you need a collective. I think pedals though, you definitely gotta have pedals if you want to fly helicopters in DCS. Got it. Yeah, because it seemed to me that, you know, certainly it's a different game. And that was what my friend was talking about, uh, Bobby. And he he was going on about, you know, he couldn't wait to get it. He does most of his stuff in VR. How about you? Do you use VR or are you pretty much still on the screen? I just bought uh, VR. I got it like last week. Um, I got the Reverb uh, uh -huh. G2. G2. You know, the problem is when you're a content creator, VR is is a challenge. Um, you know, you'll notice that most of the the big names, of which I do not consider myself one of, but most of the big names don't really do VR stuff. Or when they do, it's kind of short-lived or just kind of a niche type thing. Because um, it's just so challenging um, and, and taxing on the on the system, and, and you're trying to record, and, and I don't even know how you stream in VR. Like I know some people do that. I don't. I don't like how do you read the comments? Like I don't know how you do it. Um, you know, for me, VR. That's the challenge for me is because a lot of the times, if I'm playing, I'm creating content, so I don't have an opportunity to to just play with it. I I do every now and then spool it up, but then I'm still in that that mode where I'm not used to it, and it kind of makes me feel a little icky. 
so I can't do it for long. You know, mm. it's like I can play an hour of of IL two, which I think looks better in VR just because it's a little bit less taxing. Um, hmm. But you know, after an hour, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm done. I'm gonna go lay in bed for an hour, you know, <laughs> and recover. But um, but I think the Apache is gonna look cool in VR. Um, just cause in the real cockpit, you know, especially in the front seat, you know, like there's, there's stuff like poking out at you and, and stuff. So I think it's going to be pretty cool. Um, by no means I'm a good helicopter pilot in DCS to the contrary, but I found that just flying, flying it VR makes so much, I mean, it's a huge difference. Yeah. Also, I think there are the things like the helmet mounted queuing system in VR where you really have it on one eye. That's also a game yeah. changer. And also to what Rob said before, when I sometimes people come to my place and I show them what I do, so I put them in VR set that they never actually used it, and I, I let them fly an F-16 or a 15 or whatever, and they oh, it's fun, it's easy. And then I put them in the, in the helicopter or a gazelle or something and tell them to take off, and it's fun yeah. to watch them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my gunnery, you know, in like dogfighting with old warbirds it is 10 times better in VR. I mean, that's that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, you're right. The, the the plan I think with the Apache is to, you know, it is going to tr- uh, put the the HDU in one eye, and I, and I think it is going to be changeable. I think they've said that that it's going to, you can swap it over. In real life, you can't. I mean, it's 100 percent a right eye thing. There's there's no there's no mechanism at all that to to put it in the left eye. Um, but yeah. And you mentioned earlier something about a, yes, some words used in a campaign. So there's going to be a campaign with the Apache, you know, something about it? Or it's just um, in general? Not a campaign. I think, you know, how they, they try to ship some, uh, just some single-player missions. Yeah. So so there's, there's I think, some plan for, for that as well. Just some training and, and little, just little scenarios. But I'm not aware of any, any campaign. Well, we, there's one we can, I mean, probably yeah, speak well, about. Openly. I was curious well, you may not be. Are, do you have any campaigns that you've been thinking about? You we talking, were talking to yeah. Cosmo a few days back, so yeah. I know he has an idea of a campaign, uh, and we decided that at some point next year, when the Apache is out and it's kind of a bit polished, we'll work on one together. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, let's get to know how. Good fun. <laughs> yeah, but still, yeah, let's let's wait for the Apache to, to be out. At all, then I have to learn to fly it. <laughs> Again, mm. I'm, I'm counting Casmo here, <laughs> yeah, multi crew or something. I'll, yeah, and then yeah, we'll see. But uh, that's that's still a lot of things before that happens have to happen or be finished. So yeah, that's that's for next year, you, I guess. Yeah, you got a full play, buddy. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I'm 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 looking into ways to of kind of. Um, Managing a little bit more of doing DCS against my normal work, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, so far so good. Uh, hope to move forward uh, with, with the current plans more quicker right now. Uh, but coming back to Apache, just to put things in perspective. So you said uh, we're going to get the Delta model, the D model. Uh, you flew the Echoes. What's in use today in the Army? And uh, what's the difference between what we get in DCS and what we have now, if you can speak about it? Sure. I mean, the Echo is the more modern, the the current one, and then there's different versions of it. So I think version six of the software just came out. So I think I think it's got like color screens instead of just the the green ones that uh, I grew up with. Um, that's the thing about aviation. Everything used to be harder, you know. So you look at you look at all the updates. You're like, oh, it was hard when I had to do it. Um, but they they have all kinds of new fancy stuff. But there's still deltas in service. Um, but echoes are slowly kind of kind of phasing those out. 
Um, fundamentally, the difference is uh, beefier transmission. Um, I mean, the Echo just goes fast. I mean, the first time, the first couple times I flew it, like it was hard to land because it, it just didn't want to slow down. You know, you just felt like you were fighting it to slow down. I just wanted to go. Um, it's got a lot more situational awareness uh, with Link 16, which is um, kind of like if you think about the uh, A10 and uh, and the F16 and stuff, how you can you know look around in your helmet sight and you can see other aircraft, a little circle around them and stuff. Things like that is, is Link 16. It's just situational awareness type stuff. Um, and then some other just, just kind of doohickeys in there. Uh, the Delta has gone through many uh, upgrades over its time, um, but yeah, that's the one that you're you're going to be getting. I think a 2008-ish kind of version of the of the aircraft. Why did they pick that version of it? Because that's what they have access to. Okay, so everything else, just to clarify, other pieces would be would be classified, but this there's enough information around this version of the 2008. Delta that they can get it and and bring it and build it. Yeah, essentially, as I understand it, it's because because you could find the the actual what we call a dash ten, which is the the operator's manual. Um, you you can find the dash ten online, uh, open source. That's what they've used. So you can't get an Echo model dash ten or, or things like that. You know, same kind of reason that they can't make an F twenty two or F thirty five. Like there's just no open source data to it. So it's kind of the same thing. Um, so, so that's that's the driving force of why you why you get that one. All right, and having so having flown the real thing, having flown the one in DCS, or it's going to come out. Uh, if you compare the complexity of learning it to other aircraft, let's say Hind or I know A10, uh, where would you put the Apache in terms of learning curve? Yeah, I would never compare the learning curve to any other helicopter in DCS because there's nothing else that even remark- remotely comes close. Um, I was joking in my Discord that the, the K fifty is going to become the Fisher Price, my first combat helicopter. Like it's, it, you know, and there's some complexity to that thing. But the Apache, it, uh, the Apache is really more akin to, you know, learning the the F eighteen or the F sixteen or something. You know, it's just, you know, you've got uh, what we call MPDs, but you know, MFDs full of pages upon pages. You're setting up stuff, so it. it if you're a steam gauge kind of guy, then this is probably not the aircraft for you. Um, but if if you if you do like pages <laughs> and uh, and lots of button pushes, then then this is the aircraft for you. Um, I think especially once the FCR, the fire control radar uh, portion comes out, which is supposed to not come out with the initial release, um, you know that's going to add some some uniqueness to the multi crew and, and multi aircraft uh, dynamic. Um, you know, that's one of those things too. And I've talked to, you know, real F-18 pilots and F-16 pilots who, you know, have had to use those ground radars and they don't work very good in real life either. You know, neither does the FCR. So it's probably going to work better in DCS than it does in real life. Um, just cause it's hard to, it's hard to program things like that to have problems. You know, I, I assume, I mean, I'm not a computer guy, but it, it's hard to, it's hard to make something confuse trees with, with tanks and, and things like that. Um, but I think that's going to add some some pretty cool complexity to it. You can kind of see why it's uh, such a, a powerful machine in real life. Um, I think it's going to be great, too, just because, you know, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of helicopters, right? I mean, that's why I started my podcast and, and really why I started my channel, because it was just like, great, more fighter stuff. Okay, let's talk about some helicopters. Um, 
and I, I sometimes internally grumble at the helicopters in DCS because I'm like, these don't really tell the story, you know, like you're not kicking ass with most of these helicopters. Like if you're good with K-50, you could do some damage, but, but the rest kind of falls short and it's, and it kind of gives people the wrong impression of what helicopters can do. Well, you put the Apache out there, it's, it's going to be able to do some, some serious work. And, uh, I'm excited to see people, uh, do that. And it's going to be awesome too, because, uh, you know, it's got a laser designator and the ability to work with your fixed wing buddies is going to be cool. And we don't really have that right now with helicopters. Like I think there was somebody made like a script with a gazelle could do it, but it's not like stock, you know, it's not something that's in the game actually. Um, and so being able to do stuff like that is going to add some, some complexity to the, to the multiplayer, uh, game as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. If, uh, for those folks that want to get up to speed, what would you recommend that they do to get ready for this? If anything, oh, watch firebirds constantly. <laughs> Is that it? Is that the what else? What else can you do? Um, <laughs> and, and customers channel. Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah channel watch my sure. channel. <laughs> yeah. Watch multiple episodes. Um, no, I, I don't know, man. It's hard because I think sometimes the community probably leans, you know, you want to lean forward in the saddle, but you don't want to lean so far forward you fall off the horse. So I think sometimes people try to overthink these things and say, well, I need to get it all ready to go. Wags puts out great videos. Um, you know, on the SME team, when we were all kind of building up to the IHADS video, you know, Wags is kind of doing his thing and, and he's and he's chatting with his stuff. But, um, you know, in the last questions and, and everybody will kind of chime in and stuff. And I think all of us SMEs were like, oh, my God, this is going to be a beast. Like, how is he going to, you know, break all this down? And Wags even said something. He's like, no, it'll be good. It'll be like 10 minutes. And, uh, you know, in the back of our heads, we're like, no, no, there's no way. I mean, his video was like 11 minutes long. And I told him, I was like, you did a better job than most instructors do in like three days. You know, like it, it was really succinct and really good. Um, I don't know that anyone can really, you know, quote unquote, do anything, um, except I guess, look at that manual, which again is open source, just search for Apache, you know, operators manual or training manual or something. Um, and you can look in there, but I mean, it's, you know, it's like 1200 pages or something. So it, it, you gotta kind of know what you're, what you're looking for. Um, at the end of the day, it's flying a helicopter, you know? Yeah. I mean, but if you're, if you're proficient, if someone says, man, I'm, I'm the best in the, in the hind, will that translate into the Apache or is it just. No, because I think the, I think the hind, you know, I love the hind, but I wish it was not that hind and I wish it was a more modern hind, um, which I get again, they don't, they don't have access. They don't have access, but, um, there's really not a whole lot that translates in my mind. Like I'm just kind of thinking off the, off the cuff here. I mean, basically sure it's the same, but, but there's so much more technology. Um, I don't say technology, more modern technology in the Apache than the hind, which is, you know, basically just point generally towards the enemy, look through your little scope and, and shoot a missile. Um, there's going to be a little bit more involved, especially again, when it comes to, to laser codes and, 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 and different, different types of rockets and, and things like that. Um, but I think if you can, I think the IHADs, again, watch that video. And I think I said it in my video, like watch Wags's video like a couple times because that IHADs, um, there's a ton of information there, but it is different. So if you've only flown the A-10 and the F-18 and you're used to that helmet site, it is different and it's giving you some different information. And, 
you know, and there's certain things that I wish it did, like the F-18 and stuff, um, but it does things the way it does for a purpose. Um, so maybe just kind of take a look at it and, and, and try to just wrap your head around all those different symbols and, and what they mean. And, uh, and like I said in my video, you know, just once you do get it, don't become a slave to the iHads. Like, use it to help you, but at the end of the day, fly the helicopter. And, yeah, and that brings you also mentioned those things about this looking with one eye to one direction, one eye in the other direction. I think I asked you a long time ago if it's true. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. not. <laughs> no, 100% not true. If, if somebody's doing that, it's they've got some other things going on in their life, but it's not because of the Apache. <laughs> <laughs> it's just well, Ed Macy will had that in his book, so that's why I got inspired. Say, wow, that's cool. Uh, yeah, but anyway, um, <laughs> it, so you said this fire control radar, or how it's called, uh, it's coming later on. Can you, if you can, tell us sure. what you know, what will be initial release, or if it's easier to say what won't be an initial release, and what we'll get later on, unless it's at this point classified. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm trying to like. I don't want to reveal anything that's not been publicly like i checked with wags yesterday like, okay what 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 do you want me to talk about what can i talk about um i think what's been publicly told is that yes it's coming with a version of the hellfire and some some rockets um i think they plan to expand potentially the the types of rockets i'm not sure um, and then, like I said, the fire control radar will, will come along later. I don't, I don't have any idea what that timeline is or, or honestly what the challenge is, but you know, there's some people that seem to think that that's what makes it a Delta and they're confused. Like the fire control radar is its own thing. Um, it, they're, they're all Delta models. It's just some, some have a fire control radar. We, we put them on and, and take them off as required. Um, so typically you would only have in the U S army, you'd only have like two, uh, per company of aircraft, which is like eight aircraft, because because that's the point. You don't need everyone doesn't need one now for the foreign sales. Um, when we when we sell them to to other countries, I, I think they typically come with one per aircraft. So that's why you'll you know you'll always see you know I don't know Taiwanese or something have have a FCR, but that that kind of defeats the purpose um, because because you should be able to just use one to to work with. I, I think it'll. I think it'll share up to eight aircraft, but, but typically like four, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know if you wanted me to expand more on the FCR. Oh, if it's coming later, maybe like, well, we, we, we can skip it for now, I guess. But my other question is, will we have some kind of AI, oh, sorry, AI, like the, the Petrovich, which we have for Heinz, would we have kind of a Freeman or whatever? name could be <laughs> yeah i guess they're coming out with uh i think they said it was george i don't know the name i feel like it's changed once or twice because i feel like i heard a different name earlier on in the process and now it's now it's george so i don't you know i don't know um i don't know much about the ai i mean yes it's coming with one it's gonna have to i mean you just you you, you can't you can't fly this aircraft single pilot like you've got to have something um, either another player or an AI to do certain things. You just have to. Um, I don't know anything about it. I don't. I don't. I don't know that it's been anything that I've played with. Um, but I'm interested to see how it's going to play out because it's going to have to be a little bit more involved than uh, than the old Russian Peter, who who basically doesn't have much to do. Um, you know, the front seater in the hind is 
he he's not task saturated. Like he ain't got a whole lot going on. He's basically sitting there waiting for you to want to shoot the missile. But other than that, there's not a whole lot going on except flip a couple switches for you. Um, the front seater in the Apache, he's working. Like he's he's got a lot of stuff to do, and the guy in the back seat's got a lot of stuff to do. So it, it's a very busy cockpit. We'll need to see how it works out. I mean, that's that's a difficult topic, I guess. That's the same for F fourteen and the Jester yeah. helps a lot, but it's it's difficult to nail it to yeah. the proper extent. I guess with the helicopter, it's even more difficult. Yeah, uh, in a way. Well, we'll see. That that's interesting to to see how it develops. Um, uh, I wanted to ask one more thing, but it just slipped my mind. Rob, you have anything right now? Uh, not off the top of my head. I, other than I was just curious uh, on tangentially. Uh, so when you were moving from just from a training standpoint, how long did it take you to transition from the, the Kiowa to the Apache? Uh, it was about a five month course, the aircraft qualification course. Yeah, um, it's long. <laughs> now it's probably longer than it should have been. <laughs> um, but that that is you know it goes in phases so you learn how to just fly um and then you and then we went into nights and then you go into penvis so actually using the the night vision equipment and then uh then gunnery i feel like i'm probably missing something in there but uh you know it's just all these phases and, and some of them are probably a little bit longer than others especially if you've um you've already got a couple thousand hours and you're like okay I, I know how to fly a helicopter like i got it this one's just bigger uh but it kind of flies the same um and then of course when you get into the the night vision system that's when it gets it gets funky because uh, you have to do the bag which uh which i'm hoping ed will do something with the bag because i think that'll be interesting for people um which uh if you've ever watched firebirds you know what the bag is uh for those that are listening that haven't watched firebirds what is the bag <laughs> So, first we'll just say that flying helicopters in the military at night, you typically use night vision goggles. Um, in the Apache, they have what is called the Penvis, so the pilot's night vision sen- sensor, um, which is on the nose. So, if you ever look at the nose of the Apache, you'll see this big kind of bucket thing with two lenses. That's the TADS, which is the Target Acquisition Designation uh, System or site. I guess it depends on who you ask. And then right above it, there's a little turret with a with a kind of roundish lens, and that is the PINVIS, so the pilot's night vision sensor. Um, that is then tied to your head through the the IHAD system. So in the Delta model, it was it was kind of like track IR. Um, you had these little uh, emitters. I think the I can't remember if the emitters were on the helmet or the sensors. One one of the two. Uh, but your helmet was then being. Uh, you know that the cockpit knew where your helmet was, and so you would get in the aircraft. You'd bore sight it. There's a little tube on on front of your um, in front of your seat up on the dashboard, and you basically just line up your your helmet display with that tube, hit a button, and you bore sight. So now the aircraft knows. Okay, this is him looking straight ahead. Um, so now when you activate the pinvis, it's turning with your head. So you turn left, it turns left, and it moves at a 120 degrees per second. So it, it keeps up with your head. You know, you, you'd have to whip your head left or right for it to, to not keep up. So the FLIR uh, is, is in the pinvis has a FLIR, forward looking infrared, 
And then that is projected to your right eye through the HDU, which if you've seen any of the videos now that, that, that uh, WAGS has put out, you've, you've seen what that looks like. So that's presented to your right eye, um, and that is how you typically fly at night in the Apache. You can use night vision goggles, uh, but you can't use night vision goggles and the FLIR. So you've you got to kind of choose one or the other. Um, and Apache guys typically use the FLIR. Um, so the bag is a way to train you to use your right eye as a primary, uh, I guess, sensor for your brain. So as you can imagine, in the cockpit, there's a lot of lights, right? So there's a lot of things that are lit up outside. If you're flying at night, you've got, you know, uh, buildings, you've got other airplanes, you've got stars, you've got all kinds of stuff. There's all this competition going on between your left eye and your right eye because your right eye is trying to look at the screen, but it can also sort of see through it. Your left eye is seeing all these weird lights and stuff, and it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to drag your attention away from one or the other. So in order to try to train your brain to not uh, have this uh, called ocular rivalry is they do what's called the bag. So the bag phase, I think it was about a week or so, and you go out to the aircraft and, and you get in the back seat. They have completely covered every window with like this uh, canvas type stuff from the inside. It's kind of like Velcro's in. Um, so they cover all these windows up and they even put tape in there. And they're like, look, if there's any holes in the canvas, if you see any light whatsoever, cover it up with tape. Um, because it will it will screw you up when you're first starting out. And so it's a day flight, but to you it's nighttime because you all you can see is through the FLIR, which looks these, you know the same day or night. Uh, the front seater is your instructor pilot, and he, he doesn't have a bag on, so he can see everything just fine. And you taxi out, and you take off, and you try to fly basically just using your right eyeball, which is now basically 10 feet in front of you and 3 feet below you. Um, and it's it's a funky feeling. The first time you do it, it's it's really weird, and you know, you're competing with the sensation of your, your body movement, and you're trying to... You're trying to pay attention to the symbology. You're trying to look through the FLIR. It's just it's just really crazy. And you do have all these cockpit lights, which, you know, they tell you, turn them down the cockpit lights as much as you can so you can still see it, but it, that it's not, you know, glaring. And um, and you just try to try to struggle through. So the bag, you know, it's the great equalizer where, where boys become men kind of joke about. Um, you know, the first day I did it, I flew for like an hour, hour and a half, and I felt disgusting, and I went home to my my hotel and i just i just sat in a chair and stared at the ceiling it's kind of like me playing vr now you know i just i just felt gross um the next day you know i stopped and bought a pizza and smashed it on the way home like you know just for for people it it takes different times like i think brad who was in my last video we were talking about the iHeads. i think he said it took him like a week of going through the bag before he felt normal um and some people just never get over it the bag is the bag is terrible um but that's the bag and so some folks said uh, if they don't get over it, that disqualifies them or they go on to do something else. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that anyone ever fails it. I mean, I guess the worst case is that you're just having a really hard time and maybe they recycle you to a class behind it. But I don't know that I've ever heard of somebody who just flat out just couldn't do it. You know, um, I'm, I'm sure they exist. I just I just don't know them. I've never heard of them. Um, cause again, in the end of the day, it's not hard. It's just different and it just takes a little bit of time and then you kind of cheat the system too. Um, you know, I, I, I would still do it even as a, a more experienced guy as a pilot command. I'd still, I'd close my left eye, you know, if things got weird and I was really trying to focus on what I was doing, let's close my left eye and just focus on my right. 
Um, but I think that's where that whole I can read two books at the same time nonsense came from. Um, <laughs> because because you're not looking at two different things. It's it's basically you have trained your brain a little bit better. And I just say a little bit better than everyone else because everyone can do this is changing your focus. So if you if you were to take, I don't know, if you got something nearby you, like a book or something, grab it and hold it in front of your right eye of, you know, I don't know, six inches, eight inches in front of your eye, focus on that and then change your focus to something far away. That's all you're doing. So you're flying along, you're focused on your right eye, your left eye is just kind of glazed over, you know, it's just not paying attention to anything. And you're focusing on what the screen is telling you. Well, now I want to look inside because I want to make sure I'm on the right frequency. Well, I'm just going to change my focus. And now I'm going to pay attention to what my left eye can see. And I'm going to move my eyes in conjunction because that's how human eyes work. My human eyes are going to move in coincidence to look at the commo page. But I'm only going to pay attention to what my left eye sees. And my right eye is going to be glazed over and it's just going to see green because I've got the the HDU uh, information there. So it, it's it's not this I'm looking over here, but I'm also looking over there nonsense. Well, yeah, as I said, that was that was in the it wasn't the British pilots. Maybe they have different training. I don't know. <laughs> but, so Rob, thank you. you. You brought back my uh, my question, and that was you flew. So you, you flew and helped tested uh, the Apache and also the Kiowa in real life and in DCS. And how do you see in DCS the way of working together for both aircraft, especially in multiplayer of course you think there's going to be a lot of synergy there oh absolutely i mean those two you know in the in the heyday of you know facing off against mother russia you know and all this all this sort of cold war gone hot type stuff i mean that was peas and carrots right there is the kiowa and, and the apache you know the kiowa was built originally to support the artillery i mean the artillery branch is the one that really funded the the Kiowa to be built as far as a uh, an observation platform with the the mass mounted site um and then it was uh some shenanigans going on in the Persian Gulf which then required uh we needed a light armed aircraft to to operate off of these uh, uh, uh ships and, and and docking stations in the in the Persian Gulf and that's how you got the armed Kiowa but once that all sort of uh, developed, then yeah, you had this great energy of of uh, or synergy of a, a, a reconnaissance helicopter that could be. It was very quiet. I mean, a Kiowa, we could get within a kilometer of people, and they wouldn't know you were there. They they couldn't hear you. Um, probably even closer, depending on the terrain and stuff. But uh, that could sneak forward, use its mass mounted site, which is not a great site. Like the the thermal imaging system in the MMS was not awesome. But when you're fighting hundreds of tanks. You don't need it to be awesome. Like you just need it to spot. Like oh, there's a bunch of hot spots out there at, at eight kilometers, um, and and then pass that information on to the artillery, but also pass it on to the Apaches. And then again, once you've got the Apaches that have, especially modern Apaches that have much better uh, sensors that can see really far out. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of good synergy when those two come together. Um, and it's just it's it's going to force people to have to cooperate. Like, I don't think you're going to have fun flying single player with some of these aircraft. Like, I don't think you're going to have fun the way you could have fun as if you joined up with a couple other dudes and, uh, and did multi crew and, and did multi ship operations. 
So it's it's gonna be fun. Again, I go back to I love laser ops. I like um, what that offers. Um, where now you can have a Kiowa go out and laser targets for the A10s and for the Apaches and 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 all that good stuff. So I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Another question, because talking about sensors and that Apache has so much better sensors, being able to spot in larger, longer distances. Um, will that work that way in DCS? So if we can talk about that. So is it the normal TGP technology which you have used and, and A10, etc., or is it something extra developed for the Apache in that uh, department? No, I mean, it should be... I mean, obviously it looks different than a TGP, but it's functionally the same um you know and i i can't really get into ranges because even if i could i don't necessarily remember like you know what's what's a good range um but you're going to be able to see pretty far out um obviously the challenge with helicopters is you're so much lower to the ground so you don't need to be able to zoom quite the same way as like you know an f-16 does because he's at twenty thousand feet um but you're also going to be a lot closer to the action already, so you don't need quite the, the zoom factor. Um, the I think the real cool thing that people should be excited about across the board is the amount of work that ED has been putting into the FLIR. And I know they've released pictures of that, and I've seen a couple other pictures. I mean, that crap looks awesome. Like it, it They've really done a lot of good work on making that stuff not look cartoonish. You know, because before it was a little cartoonish, and I understand why. I mean, it's not easy to replicate, um, but now there's a lot more gradient and variation in the uh, in the image, and I think that's gonna. And it's but you know, it's supposed to be for everything, right? It's not just Apache, but but Apache is, I guess, driven them to to address this more, or um, just make it a little bit sexier. But it looks really good. Well, it's good to hear that we'll get improvements all across the board, but I think that's how it always works. So we have some new tech developed for a specific model, and then it, it gets kind of goes back to all the others. Yeah. So yeah, looking forward for that. I mean, to that, sorry. Um, yeah. And uh, coming back to Kiowa, I don't know if you're still involved or is anything, you know, any, any news? Because it's been quiet recently on how the development's going. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't have anything to share. Um, I know they had some some medical challenges. I think uh, yeah, I think they they pushed that out publicly, um, but as far as you know, a status or a timeline, I I have no idea. We'll be trying to get Sven here on the podcast at some point. We spoke already. I think it'll happen at some point yeah. in the future. Um, all right. I think I mean it's it's a bit shorter than usual, uh, but uh, again, the topic. Well, we have the aircraft that's not out yet. Uh, yeah. So thank you for sharing all you can, or you could, or you know, uh, yeah. from from your testing. Uh, Rob, anything else? Not for me. Thanks. Thank Thanks a bunch. This has been really insightful, and I'm uh, more excited about it than I was when we started talking. So it's really cool. Yeah, yeah and, I'll, and I'll just say, you know, again, I, I don't put it out there like I'm on a team, like I'm flexing. I, I, I wanted to say that so that people understood that there are some really smart dudes working on it and, I, and I'm not one of them. Like I don't, I don't put myself in the, in the, the box that those dudes are. Cause they're really very knowledgeable. Um, I call them nerds all the time, but, but they're very knowledgeable about, about the systems and, and, and like nuance, like they're just like, Oh no, this should look a little bit less like this, you know, and just, um, so, but I wanted to say that, that I was on a team so that people could understand 
um, what is going on behind the scenes is is quality work, right? It's not just they're not just throwing stuff together. And and I I, I get tired of of people using the F sixteen as an example of oh I hope it doesn't come out bad like the F sixteen. It's like how many releases have we had since then, right? There's been at least two or three. Um, and, and they were quality, right? I mean, the Mosquito was good. Yeah, there was a few things that needed to be fixed. Show me software that isn't, right? I mean, there's always something that when it comes out, it's it d- didn't work 100%. Um, you know, the Hind came out much better place than I expected. Um, and I think that the Apache is going to be in the same boat just based on what I've observed um, and, and, and just the way that they're addressing it. And, I mean, it's insane to me. Because I'm I'm pretty easy going guy and and pretty easily satisfied with things, like they will show things, and I'm like oh that looks good, and then a week later they're like oh we think this actually doesn't look right you know and it'll just be this very nuanced very minor change that I'm just like I I would have fine with it before you know so they're really going through <laughs> these painstaking uh, measures to make it look really good. And like I said, we'll finish something and be like, okay, well, that's done. And then a month later, they'll find a video and be like, oh, this video, it looks like it's a little bit different here. You know, and it just sparks a whole new conversation. So they're really trying to get it right. And, and I hope that, that people can take that for what it's worth and, um, you know, accept, yeah, it's going to have flaws. I guarantee it, 100%. Um, but but it's, it is not from a lack of caring, right? And I guess that's why I put it. There's a lot of There's a lot of love and a lot of attention going into this one. Because I think for a lot of us um, who've been playing flight simulators for a really long time, Jane's Longbow is, mm-hmm. is a gold standard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you've got that and you've got, you know, the Falcon 4.0 crowd and stuff. But there's certain aircraft that have a legacy in the simulation world. And the Apache's one of them. And, of course, Wags himself, you know, has background with, with that stuff. So um, there, there's nothing willy-nilly about this one. They, they're really putting it in, putting the effort in there and... You know, they've I think they were already working on it for like two years before they even announced it, you know. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of work and a lot of love going into it. So I, I think people should be excited about it. Um, but uh, and, it, and they should definitely watch my channel. Yeah, they, they, they definitely watch <laughs> yeah. channel. If, you, if you haven't, yeah, no, you, you right. definitely need to look you at it. To. No, but you know, there's, there's a reason why they call it a study sim. And there's lots of naysayers or rivet counters, you know, the, yeah. that, that always will look at all the details. But I have to say, well, working with Rasbam, I'm writing the manual for the Harrier, and mm. it's it's a super complicated aircraft. It's like really, yeah. I'm maybe 500 into it, 500 pages into it, which I released, and it's still maybe halfway through. And it, it, exactly, when you have the uh, SMEs working with them, coming back to the things that were already done, you have to change them. And I guess it's, it's the same, but it just shows how... And I think Apache is much more complicated than Harrier is when it comes to, to the systems. You said hundreds of those pages, all that stuff that needs to be modeled. It's just amazing. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes SMEs kind of rain on on a, a, you know aficionado's parade because... Um, I think people look at military aircraft and they expect that it is, you know, everything, everything is exactly where it's meant to be and everything's perfect. And this is what it's supposed to do. And we routinely are telling people like, well, no, actually we hate that. You know, uh, what was it the other day? Somebody in the discord was like, Oh, you know, they spend the painstaking amount of effort to make sure that the controls are just right. So that pilots have what they need where they need it. You know? And I made a comment like, I, I wish that was true, you know, but, but these things are developed by engineers 
who think that that's what pilots want, you know, as opposed to asking pilots a lot of times. Um, and, and so sometimes that just gets played out in, in games. And I've already seen people comment about the Apache, like the I has, like, I don't understand why it does that. Uh, well, su- surprise, sometimes we don't either, you know, like it's just the way that it is. And you can, you can kind of complain about it, but at the end of the day, that's what it does. And you either learn how to do it or don't. And if you think it's stupid, well, literally thousands upon thousands of people have flown Apaches and they figured it out. So maybe the problem's not them. It's you just, you know, just change your, your, your headspace and, and accept it for what it is and learn how to use it or, or go fly the hind. That's fine too. Um, um, it's, you know. it's always fascinating to me. I mean, and it's easy for people certainly online to make comments, uh, not to people's faces, but at the end of the day, software is hard, but my goodness, the authenticity yeah. that we're seeing today oh, in these Sims God. is amazing. And it's uh, out of control. It, yeah. Yeah. It's just insane. So, and, and I think that's the other piece of it. A lot of the people, you know, when we talk about study Sims, uh, you know, the goal is authenticity because most of these people who are playing this uh, never had the chance to right. get out there and do it in real life. And this yeah. is, you know, this is one way to, satisfy that craving or experience it the best that they can. And I, you know, hats off to Eagle Dynamics for bringing this, these, this to the crowd because it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I sometimes have to remind myself that like that, that it's for people who, yeah, they get to scratch that itch that they otherwise never would, would be able to. Um, But it's, it's sometimes frustrating uh, for, for guys like me because and we have our own little chats on the side, you know, and, and we kind of watch from afar of, of different conversations. And sometimes it's so frustrating because people get into the, the just the, the tiniest detail that even we didn't think about, you know, yeah. like, well, well, then this didn't happen. And we're like, well, I mean, I guess we never thought about it. You know, like it's not a it's not a big deal. Um, and so sometimes that's frustrating when people ask us these really minute questions that we just would have never thought about or cared about and and I don't know how to answer it you know <laughs> yeah no I mean it's 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 interesting because I think that and I hear the same thing with jealous like you know, oh, I forgot or right. I, don't, I remember <laughs> it was a long time yeah. ago you know and if you're yeah. not you, you know you're not using it you're losing it but at the end of the day someone who's who's read these 15 not uh, you know detailed tech specs tech manuals who knows what they what they've got in their noggin yeah oh yeah yeah exactly uh, I mean I haven't touched an Apache in real life and like three years like and i'll never touch one again so guess what i have forgotten 99 percent of how to fly it you know because i don't i don't need to know it you know i got there's only so many penguins i can put on the iceberg and and i don't, <laughs> I don't need those there anymore you know so <laughs> yeah no but like you said and i think but one of the things that you mentioned and i thought was kind of which is also pretty interesting to me is that is as you're articulating that it's bringing a new culture and uh, with the helicopters, with the Apache uh, to the sim, which is really fantastic because I don't really, you know, I hadn't really thought about that before, but you know, whether it's terminology uh, you know, the entire community is getting enhanced in a specific new way. And that's pretty yeah. doggone cool. Well, there's just going to be a lot more utility, I think with, with helicopters, because again, I, I struggle to find good scenarios where, you know, we talked about synergy, where there's a good synergy between, oh, that car was loud, um, where there's good synergy between jets and, and helicopters and DCS right now, um, because it's very challenging to coordinate 
between the two. Again, the K fifty is probably the only real, you know, butt kicker um, in a in a high intensity fight in in DCS. But it's very hard to coordinate with jets because other than just looking out the window, I mean, how else do you share information? And so now with the Apache again is is the ability to do that with the laser and and, and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, I think it's going to add just a lot more utility for helicopters in the in the DCS world uh, environment. Um, I will say this though, it's this kind of goes back to my frustration, and I, I want to say this so that people can maybe kind of change their view on things because it happens with the jets too. People will play different modules, and they'll they'll come to this conclusion that well, this sucks, this plane sucks, or this helicopter sucks. You have to understand that not every piece of equipment is made for every situation. Um, And so, for instance, if you're flying the Huey around and there's SAMs everywhere, then, yes, you're probably going to get shot down a lot because that's not what the Huey was designed to operate in, right? And so I worry, too, that sometimes people are going to take the Apache and put it into scenarios that it's just not really designed for. And um, and then be pissed off because they're they're getting blown up or you know they're crashing or, or whatever. So they're from a culture standpoint, just from military aviation and and combat simulation and stuff. It's it's not just plugging in a module and just going flying around, but it's it's what is the scenario and and does my module right. lend itself to to the scenario that I want to do? You know, when we go to flight school, everyone says don't pick the aircraft, pick the mission. And it's kind of the same thing. Like, what is it that you want to do? And then pick the right equipment for the job. Um, you know, obviously, sometimes you're forced to use equipment in the wrong situation, right? So when we when we went into Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, those weren't really good fights for the, the Kiowa and the Apache, but we made do and we changed the way that we did things in order to meet the environment. But it took years to figure that out, you know, and it took, unfortunately, a lot of lives, too, to, to kind of figure out, like, okay, well, we can't do it this way. You know, guys were hovering in Afghanistan. It's like you will never find anybody hover in Afghanistan or Iraq anymore. But that's how they started out because that's how they were used to fighting. You know, preparing the, for the big one in Europe. Mm-hmm. So, um, so just understanding that, and I, and I, I joke with the other Apache SMEs that you know, once the once the Apache comes out, everyone's going to be stealing each other's uh, Hellfires because nobody's going to change their laser code. You know, so everyone's <laughs> going to be shooting Hellfires, and they're going to be wondering why they missed. You know. Or when FCR comes out, they're just going to turn it on and leave it on and then wonder why the jets keep shooting them down. You know, so there's these little things that um, they don't they don't know the right way, you know, because, again, the manual just says turn this on with this button. But it doesn't say, hey, turn this on, but only when you need to. You know, it's not a tactics manual. It's an operator's manual. Um, So people just be patient and understand the scenario that you're in. And and if you were the one creating the scenario, well, really think through the system and and what it's designed for and, and make your scenario fit that so well you know that's the beauty of dcs some people will just go out and shoot set the ammo to unlimited and shoot hundreds of hellfires others who want to go you know really meticulously with step by step Mm -hmm. what's done in real life i've seen it with raven one which is a pretty let's say advanced campaign when it comes to keeping things real mm-hmm. uh, there, mm-hmm. there are people who really didn't like it because they said hey come on i'm going to shoot the first miss life missile at mission eight or nine it's boring but yeah yeah people, that's right combat is yeah. boring i mean that's what people need to understand like like 99 percent of it is, is boring and then there's that one percent where you're like oh my god <laughs> exactly so. no i i think but i think that that's a but i think it's a really 
interesting point. When we talk about, you know, and I, I'll be on the sidelines listening to, you know, you know, Baltic talk with Kevin Miller and Jello, and it's, you know, going through or talking about these pieces. At the end of the day, it's about trying to bring the most authentic piece to it. But yeah. the other side of it is, and I think this goes to your point, Casmo, is that there's a thing about tactics. You have the tools, but then there's the tactics. Yeah. And Paco Chirici said at one point, he was like, he was watching an online event, and he, he just was like, it, you know, he commented, he goes, it's like Braveheart, where all the planes <laughs> just fly at each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they're running down the hill, and yeah. there's not doing any tactics. So, yeah, it, it doesn't, you know, you may end up with these great tools, but to your point, how you use them or how you play them is critical whether or not you're going to be successful. Yeah, 100%. I mean, how you use your equipment is, in my opinion, more important than the equipment itself. Um, so, so I'm but, afraid uh, when, we, when we'll be working on our campaign, it will be on the boring side in this kind of Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But authenticity. Authentically oh, yeah, boring, course. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. But, you know, hey, look, if you're, if you're going to tout that it's a simulator, well, cool, giddy up, let's simulate, and we're going to simulate you flying for four hours and doing nothing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's why I like multiplayer because like, I can't, it's fun. I have a lot of time on my hands right now and it's like, Oh, I want to go fly DCS. But I'm like, you know what? None of the people I normally fly with are around and I just don't want to fly a single ship. Like it's, that's boring to me because I do want to simulate combat. And to me, combat, a vast majority of combat is talking on the radio. It's communicating and coordinating and, and lining things up. And when I can do that, like hell out last night, I was on stream. My A-10 got all shot up. I couldn't even shoot anything, but I had fun because I was just circling the targets and talking other guys on the targets. Like, you know, I, I enjoy that. Um, so I, I think for me, that's one of the things that I, you're right. It's tactics, but it's also just, just coordination, you know, um, because sometimes the tactics, obviously nobody just learns them in a day. You know, it takes time to, to refine that. Then it takes time to know, when what tactic works best and what scenario and when should you change it you know you got to know the rules to break them um what was that old saying about the the russians would say about the the u.s that they could never they could never figure out what the what the u.s was going to do because they never read their own manuals you know because our manuals (laughs) say one thing but then we would just do something completely out of that um which is which is fairly true but um yeah it it takes time well, to it takes time to develop that stuff and and again with multiplayer and playing with the same people over and over again you really get like a job, you know a, a groove going on so it's good stuff. Yeah no and and I think there's just the other point is you do have to learn how to use the tools but at the end of yeah. the day like and that's one thing that I think when uh, some of the feedback I think Baltic that you had mentioned from Raven One was that people get frustrated because they haven't invested the time to learn the tools and. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can spend hours and hours, but if, you know, flying around, but if you've never flipped on that, you know, the, the AT FLIR pod, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's just a different game. Yeah. But that's well, the that's other a... side of the coin. Yeah. So, no, so go ahead. Go those ahead. people who will really uh, use a tool like a campaign like that to really learn the module, and they're happy they did. They'll spend more time flying missions a few times and then get it right. That's also a yeah. good thing for them. So I think, yeah. I mean, that's the right way to call it. It's an investment because it really is hard to learn the stuff and to use it effectively. And that's where 
DCS is sort of a two-edged sword. Like, it's awesome that I have an F-14, an F-18, an F-16, an A-10, you know, all these things that I can jump in and fly. But in real life, like, unless you're an experimental test pilot or something, like, you don't have that sort of option. And so you love the one you're with, and you learn how to use that one, right? And so you spend hundreds of hours, you know, like, I didn't make pilot command of an Apache. I mean, I had maybe 100 hours to my name. Um, and really the only reason that they made me a pilot in command is because I had already been one with Kyle was it had nothing to do with me flying the aircraft. It had me like judgment, you know, it was like, okay, you, you know how to make good decisions. You know, you know, if things aren't right to land, you know, you know, you know how to make these, these big, these big boy calls, but it had nothing to do with me being able to use the system. Cause I would fly with junior guys and be like, look, I'm the pilot in command. I don't know half of this stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you know, you teach me Apache stuff. And I can teach you, you know, airspace stuff, you know, or whatever we're doing. Um, but it takes a really long time to to really understand those systems. And um, and DCS is, is kind of the same way. I mean, you can you can functionally understand, OK, if I push this button, it, it broadcasts my speed you know, or something like that. But but when do you use that? You know, what is the right time to do these things? And it takes a, a long time to make that sort of muscle memory. But by then you're bored of flying the A-10. So now you want to fly the F-18. And then you dump all your A10 knowledge, and now you're trying to remember how to land on the carrier. So, so DCS is its own worst enemy when it comes to to learning the modules. Unless you're just super dedicated, or you have oodles of time, which I don't. I mean, none of us has. <laughs> Some of these guys seem to have a ton of time because I don't understand it. Like they can know the Nat's ass about every module. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, kids i have priorities but (laughs) you know but you know at the end of the day there are folks out there they're flying many many hours they learn the details and like i said i mean i think that you know part of what uh is certainly working you know part of the discussion i've had with uh jello lately has been around you know we've talked about what is authenticity in terms of the content and making sure that we're providing great content to folks, but it's the same way, whether it's going to be DCS or whether podcast or other piece. So people are tuning in because it's authentic people yeah. talking about real things. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. All right. Perfect. Thank you very much, guys. It's been great fun. Uh, that's what I needed. I just, I'm after one week of holidays in France with family. So I just got off the train and got here to record this, get into the DCS mood again. So thank well, you. Quick timing. <laughs> it's great and and it uh even though you says we short, it's an hour and three minutes. So yeah. all good. So, <laughs> very good. And yep. Yeah. So next time on we'll have we'll have Ward Much Carol uh with us. We'll be recording that in probably two weeks, proverbial. Uh, and yep, yeah, and looking forward to Apache being out. So probably yeah. after some time flying we should be meet again and ask some of the questions people might have about it. After we're gonna have to do like a we're gonna have to do like a stream or something like an air combat mm-hmm. sim podcast stream and fly. I, it's fantastic idea. Good idea. Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> do that. Yeah. It. Perfect. All right, guys. Good, good, good fun. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. See you around. See you next time. See you guys. See it. Thanks for listening to Air Combat Sim. Don't forget to subscribe or tell a friend about it. You have a question, idea for an episode or a special guest you'd like us to invite, feel free to reach out on Facebook, Discord, or via email. Air Combat Sim was brought to you by BVR Productions.